This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Lord, we thank you for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that Romans 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we are now at peace with God. Lord, we thank you we're at peace with God. We say shalom to you today. We say what a friend I found in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that the word goes on to say that we have access into his grace. Amen. Thank the Lord for his grace and his strength today and his provisions today. And it says wherein we can stand. How many say I'm standing in the Lord today? Come on, say I'm standing in the Lord today. In the power of whose might? In the power of whose might? His might. Everybody say, I'm standing in the power of His might. Amen? Say that again. I'm standing in the power of His might. Turn to somebody. Give them a big hug, a big hug, a big shake of the hand. Paul, let's try this again. Check, 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 check. You got to mute everything, my brother. Guitars, everything, mute it. Thank you, Lord. I like this headset if we can get it. How's that? Praise God. My fault. I didn't do a a mic check before service today. Amen. You know, um, Carmen, I don't see her tear up very often. As my wife, which came up here and and she said, my son, um, my, you know, she talked about being thankful for the things we just take for granted. Y- you know, I, I like to share because we're family. And we're not saying it for play a violin and, oh, poor us or whatever. But our son was starving. And we didn't know it. Um, I kept seeing pictures. And I was like, the last picture, he literally looked like somebody that was out of a POW camp. From I'm not kidding. He he looked like a Rambo. How many remember Rambo two, buddy? Come on, Rambo two. Yeah, where he goes in there and gets them out, and they they're, they're just skin and bones. And 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 that little turkey needed four thousand of their money a month, and he was getting a thousand through the Peace Corps. And that little turkey's been starving, and he didn't tell his mom and dad about it. So we fixed that real quick. But but um. You know, we've got a lot to be thankful for living in the United States of America. He's in the Peace Corps on north of Madagascar, east of Africa. And so keep Luke in his prayers. And, and uh, I wasn't intending to do this. Um, I wasn't intending to do this, but uh, you guys that have known Luke, I mean, we started this church 15 years ago, and he's 22, 26. He's 26? Oh, he was six. <laughs> Woo, we're older than I thought, hon. Uh, uh, yeah, I was telling a, a new couple we met today named Jim and Cheryl, I was, I was telling them that we were grandparents, and, and, I, I, and that's, that's still a little getting adjustment to. I, I'm still, I'm granddad. I couldn't get her to go with granny, but uh, I'm granddad. But anyway, you guys didn't know Luker. How many have known Luke forever? 
if you guys want to, it's totally if you want, but we're going to send him some stuff. Uh, it costs a lot to get things over there, but we're going to send him some stuff. And another thing that we're thinking about doing is, uh, he, he said, Dad, could you start sending me your sermon notes? He said, I have, there's no churches over here. And he said, I have tried to get people to have Bible study with me, and no one is interested. Um, he asked for some books. If you guys are readers like um, Mark Twain and some of those old classics, I'm going to get up here and let people know of a book drive we want to do because he wants to open a library over there. Uh, he wants to do that. But we're, we're praying about some things, about putting some feet on some prayers. But we're looking at maybe opening up kind of a coffee shop bookstore with some computers and Wi-Fi and get people coming in to learn English and old Luke can teach them about Jesus Christ. So I showed that in my son the other day. And uh, if, if something like, I want you to be praying about that. I'm still asking the Lord if that's his will. Amen. How many know you're supposed to discern things and see what the will of the Lord is? I'm still asking the Lord, is that your will? Um, but if it's his will, Thy kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Praise God. We're going to begin a new series today, this week, entitled Grace Came. Grace Came. That needs to start at 30, not 19, please. Amen. We're going to begin a new series today that's entitled Grace Came. Grace Came. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, for a child is born unto, the, unto us. And this is talking about Jesus. It's a prophetic word. It says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders. And here's what I want you to look at. It says, we shall call his name Wonderful Counselor. Everybody say Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. That's this week. Next week is Mighty God. The next week is Everlasting Father, and then the next week is Prince of Peace. We're going to learn these. Today's message, I believe, is foundational to us experiencing fellowship and friendship with Jesus Christ. Amen? For Jesus to be a wonderful, sympathetic, wonderful Savior, wonderful Counselor, something had to happen for that to happen to us. And if Jesus was going to be a wonderful, sympathetic, compassionate understanding how many found Jesus to be that way how many how many see Jesus as compassionate understanding wonderful sympathetic sympathetic for us to see him and have the relationship with him as wonderful savior there's something that's got to happen we have to know that Jesus was a human being Jesus came as a human being just like you and I are now, there's a theological uh, reason, and it's called identification. Why it's so important that he came as a human. It's this principle called identification. And we've seen that in this last political race. How many are glad the political race is over? Amen. But we saw that. You see politicians show up, and they go to a banker, and they put their suit on, and they go into a banker, and they said, hey, my father was a banker. Therefore, I know how you feel. I know the pain that you're going through. I know the struggle that you're going through. I'm very sympathetic to you as a banker in his suit, the politician saying that. If you'll give me your vote and put me in Washington, then I'll help you out. And then he goes and gets in his limousine, politicians do, and they put on a white robe and put on some goggles and they stick a hat on and they drive their limousine to a factory. 
And then they go into the factory and they said, my father's brother was a factory worker. So therefore, I know what you're going through. I know the hardships you have working in a factory. I know what it's like to be an immigrant working in a factory and this, that, and the other. I know what that's like. My, my dad was an immigrant, and they try to connect all that. They try to make those connections. And then they say, if you'll give me your vote, I'll remember you when I get to Washington. And then they go out, get in their limousine. They go out to the farmer. They put a cowboy hat on, roper boots, wrangler jeans, nice button-up flannel shirt, a, a, a stick of straw in their mouth, and they put on their southern voice. They say, my daddy's brother's nephew's cousin's friend's uncle's third cousin was a farmer, and therefore I know how you feel. I can sympathize with you. I know what you're going through. If you'll put me in Washington, I'll remember you. Guys, that is an illusion. That is an illusion. Everybody say illusion. That is an illusion of identification. That is people, they, they strategize and they, they do that strategically to figure out ways that they can use whatever they can to make you feel like, to make you feel like, to make you think that they are connecting with you. And some politicians are true in that. Anybody know a politician that is true in that? Could be. Okay. But uh, uh, some politicians might be true with their words. But a lot of times, maybe that isn't the case. But let me tell you somebody that really were was in your skin. Let me tell you somebody that really does know how you feel. That really does know what you're going through. That truly can connect with you. That truly can, can know where you're at in life in any situation. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He came. The Bible says that grace came. He didn't send a text. He didn't send a snapshot. John uh, 1.17 says that the law was given or sent through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the message of this series is grace came. Grace came to you. He didn't send a letter. Grace came to you. And for him to be a wonderful counselor, we have to realize that he was a human being, just like you and I. Look at Hebrews 2.17 and 18. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect. Notice the word every respect. Likened to us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful, our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people, since he himself has gone through the suffering and the testing. Again, notice it was him. He didn't send somebody to do it. He is able, everybody say, to help us. He is our wonderful counselor, able to help us when we are being tested. So our wonderful counselor can do one, four things here. One is he can aid you if you're under temptation or testing. Anybody ever had temptation? Anybody ever had testing? He's also somebody that has been in your skin. I'll never forget when the Lord spoke that to me one time when I was praying, is that Jesus, Brian, has literally been in your skin. He's walked in your shoes. He's felt what you feel. It's someone here, he, Jesus is someone here that represents you to the Father. And the reason he can represent you well is because he was a human that was tested and he was tempted just like you. So that makes him very merciful 
and very compassionate and very understanding and very sympathetic. If you have a view of God that he is not those things, then your view's wrong. He is very merciful. He is very kind. He is very gentle. He is very compassionate. He is very sympathetic. He's someone that can represent you well before the Father. And then he offered the perfect sacrifice. That word sacrifice is the word propitiation. That's not a word we just use commonly, but there's two words I want you to remember. One is expiation. Expiation. When it's talking about your sins and my sins. In the Old Testament, they only had what was called expiation. That's where they would use the blood of animals and different things to cover sin, but it could never take it away. Well, the difference between expiation and propitiation is two things. Jesus not only covers your sin, he completely gets rid of it. The scripture says that your sins and iniquities, in, 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 in Hebrews 8, 12, it says that your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. How many of you have done some things that you're trying to forget about? How many have made some bad decisions? How many beat yourself up week after week, day after day for choices and suffering that you're going through and you beat yourself down because you are disgusted with yourself and some of the choices you've made? God wants you to let things go because as he's forgiven, he wants you to forgive yourself. He's a sympathetic. He, he, propitiation means that he gets rid of your sin and then this is us. Here's the other thing. What you have to realize is that God is perfect, holy, perfection, righteous altogether. He can't help it if sins around him. In the Old Testament, when, when sin was on people and they got in the presence of the Lord, they dropped dead. God can't help it that he's righteous and holy. He's merciful, but here's something else, is God is just. The justice of the Lord. Propitiation is when the justice of the Lord has been satisfied. Propitiation, that's why the scripture says he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, everybody say chastisement. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. So Jesus completely satisfied, listen, the wrath of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus satisfied the wrath. Seriously, say that to your neighbor. I feel this. Say, Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. Jesus satisfied the wrath. Here's why I want you to know that. Because God isn't mad at you anymore. He's not mad at you. Isaiah 53, write this down and then look at it later. Isaiah 53 is a prophetic word about the cross and resurrection of Christ. But then Isaiah 54 is right after that obviously. Uh, 54 is right after 53. Figure that one out. Well, anyway, anyway, that one talks about a rainbow of forgiveness and that God doesn't remember sin anymore. And it says that I will not remember your iniquity and I, and I will not be angry with you anymore. Hey, how many of you live life thinking God's angry with you? I'm telling you, Jesus was a propitiation he redeemed you from your sin. He set you free from your sin. He completely paid for it in all, and, and, and he satisfied the justice of God. And, and you know what? You are a friend of God. You are, hey, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, people need to hear that today. If you're living in condemnation, you are a friend of God. 
Notice it says that, I, I want to uh, look at the next point. It says, Jesus in his humanity makes him a wonderful counselor. Look at um, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Our high priest understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same testings as you did, and he didn't sin. I want you to look at this 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of what? Is it a throne of judgment? Is it a throne of criticism? It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. Come boldly. What, what do you guys think boldly, boldly means? Without fear? What, think, what do you think boldly means? What, what do you mean it comes boldly? What do you think that means? Confidently? Not, not timidly or sheepishly? That doesn't mean that you're not upset about your sin. But what you know is that Jesus has forgiven you for your sin. And because of that, we can come through a throne of grace. And it says there we, we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. It is a throne of grace. It is not a throne of criticism. Listen to me. And the one who sits on that throne is the one that came in this earth as a human being who is totally sympathetic who is totally understanding, who is totally kind, who Hebrews says is your brother, who Hebrews says that we have, Hebrews says it like this, we have the very same Father. You can come to the throne of grace and not be afraid if Jesus is Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap for that. I, th I think that's wonderful. So we have... A wonderful counselor, a wonderful counselor. I want to talk to you some things about uh, how Jesus understands. We have a high priest that he understands. Jesus understands. The first thing I want to talk to you about is relationships. Jesus understands relationships. It says they scoffed at him and just and said that he's a carpenter, the son of Mary. I want you to look at that. He's a carpenter, the son of Mary. That son of Mary, I want you to, to remember that. We're going to come back to that at the end of this message. And the brother, look, he's the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sister. So he at least had four, bro he, he had four brothers and at least two siblings, two sisters. So he had siblings. And how many know when you got siblings, everything is just perfectly okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, the, the nature of children, everything's just going to get along. He understands what it's like to have a brother duct tape you to the end of your bed frame. I'm speaking from experience. He understands what it's like to have a brother take you out in the dog kennel and beat the fire out of you because you told on him to dad. I'm speaking by experience. He understands what it's like for big brothers to get the house going crazy because they're teasing their sister about having a date. How many have experienced that kind of chaos in your home? Where there's this getting back. He understands competition. He understands uh, jealousy and envious, envy, envy that happens within a family. He understands that. He understands what it's like for siblings to get upset and angry and, 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 and get mad at each other with misunderstanding. He knows it. He knows it. He knows what it's like to do family chores. He knows what these things are like because he was a toddler. He was in elementary school. He was in junior high. He was in senior high. He was in college. He lived as a human being. 
So whatever you're going through in your family right now with siblings, maybe that aren't talking and aren't getting along, that there's not harmony in the home with the family, Jesus understands that. He's sympathetic to that. And I wonder if we ought to talk to him about it because he is a wonderful counselor, I'm telling you. Jesus understands what it's like to be single. Anybody single here today? He, he's, he knows what it's like to, 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 to be isolated and to be lonely and to have, you know, we just take it to granted if we're married coming to church. You know, single people, it, it, it'd be hard just to come to church and sit alone. Jesus knows what it's like to be single. Some of you might think that he, there's one thing he doesn't understand, and that's marriage. Oh, really? Are you sure about that? Are you sure that Jesus doesn't understand marriage? I, I don't know about you, but I've read in the scripture where we're called the what of Christ? The bride of Christ? Do, does he ever refer to himself as the groom? So, so I believe he does understand marriage. And listen to this. Everybody look at me. Jesus even understands a marriage that has had one of the spouses be unfaithful because the church has been unfaithful to him. He knows what you're feeling. What, what, why don't we just maybe talk to him about that? He knows what it's like to have friends mad at you. Remember when Lazarus died? How many remember when Lazarus died? I think that's around John 11. When Lazarus died, he, he, he knows what it's like to have friends mad at you. Uh, Mary and Martha, they said, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. I, I read that for years like this. Oh, Lazarus died. Lord, if you'd just been here, he wouldn't have died. One day I was reading that, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, that isn't the way it was. I believe... I believe you can change the tone of that real quick. And I believe as friends, they could say, hey, Jesus, we sent word to you two days ago that Lazarus was sick. Did, did you not care? You call us friends and we're tight. We sent word two days ago that Lazarus was sick. And you just lollygagged. You just took your time getting here two days ago and you weren't ten minutes away. And now he's dead. Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. How do you know it wasn't that way? How do you know it wasn't that way? I think he knows. He knows what it's like to have your closest friends leave you. Sometimes I, sometimes I feel like giving up on ever having friends. It seems like. Jesus is a friend that stick closer than a brother. Every time I get a friend, Jim, they move to Florida. No. <laughs> I'm going to miss him bad. That little turkey. That little turkey. No. <laughs> but, but you know what? Uh, Jesus knows what it's like to lose close friends. He knows what it's like to do everything you can for somebody and them to raise their heel against you. Anybody ever went through that, where you do everything you can to help someone, and then they turn it on you, and you're to blame? I get that one a lot, actually, because people have to blame. But Jesus understands that. Let me ask you, have you ever thought about taking your relationships to a wonderful, 
counselor who is sympathetic and he is kind and he is understanding and he's walked the road you're on and he's lived in your skin with relationships. Amen. Jesus understands work. He knows what hard work is. I remember when Jordan, is Jordan in here today? Hey, son, remember you signed the paper that I could say anything up here. Amen. I'm so excited for Jordan. He's getting some breakthrough in life. Uh, Very excited for him. But uh, I remember when Jordan got his first job. Oh, boy, he's like, oh, jeez, dad's doing it. I see you, son. I can read your mind. (laughs) I remember when Jordan got his first job. He's excited. About a week went by, and he came home, and he's exhausted and, and frustrated and like, and, and he, he was free. He was so amazed that you had to work at work. <laughs> and I was like, Jordan, if it was work, if it was play, they would have called it play. You can go and play. But work is work. But he's an incredible hard worker. Incredible hard worker. But Jesus understands work. He knows knows what it's there to get there early and work your butt home, get off late, tired, doesn't want to cook, and the night's half gone. You know, you always see those pictures of Jesus as an angel with his hand and his arms folded. I don't know. There may be one out there, but I'd like to see a picture of Jesus in some rugged jeans and a thick flannel shirt with a tool belt on and a hammer in his head, Jeff, with calluses on his hands. Speaking of hammers, hey, Ray, everybody look back there at Ray. Hey, Ray, wave at us, buddy. Ray, I never seen a man that could drive nails like him. How long have you been a carpenter, Ray? A long time. Did they have nail guns when you started? They did not have what? Did they have hammers when you started? No. (laughs) Did they have electricity? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, Ray, I never seen anybody could drive a nail like him. I remember one time I was cutting a board, building my house. I was cutting a board, and I, this is true, Ken. I was cutting a board, and I cut the uh, cord off. I, I cut the cord off. And I only had a few boards to go. I only had a few boards to go, and I cut the cord off, and I was like, I got to finish this project. Man, it was like a light came, and I, and I looked in my garage, and there was this thing that was about this long, and it had teeth on it, and it looked like a handle that would fit a hand. And then I remembered my granddad talking about something called a saw. And I took it out, and I was like, shoo, 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 woo, baby, woo, baby. I took three coffee breaks getting two boards done. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter when they drove nails and cut boards, amen. Come on. He, he, he knew. He had calluses on his hand. You know, he knows what it's like. Jesus was not only, think about this. He probably started helping his dad when he was 12, probably about 12. Um, he started the ministry when he was 13 or 30, 30 years old. So he probably had 18 years as a carpenter and three years of the ministry. I'm just saying he was in the marketplace longer than he's in the ministry. He understands. You know what? It was a carpenter's shop. I believe that he was a manager, that he understands managing and managing people. I, I believe he, he understands what it's like trying to find good help. I believe he knows what it's like to fire someone. 
I believe he knows what it's like when times are slow and you gotta and, and you're wondering where the jobs are gonna come. I, I I believe he knows what it's like knowing knowing that you've got to get some sales. I believe he knows what it's like when when you're when you're making a product and the product fails and you're losing your shirt trying to make it all right because you're a person of integrity and you want to make things right and you're losing on this deal. I believe God knows those things. Because he was in your skin. He understands what it's like when the economy's down, when the economy's up. I'm just wondering, wondering why we don't talk to him about work and relationships and get his wisdom and get his counsel. Because he was a human that is a wonderful counselor. Number three, Jesus understands pain. He understands physical pain. He understands emotional pain. He's a wonderful counselor. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We hid as our faces from him because he was despised and not esteemed. He had physical pain, wounded, bruised. Hey, guys, let's just cut to the chase. What was that movie where it showed that Mel, the passion? How many saw the passion? He knows physical pain. Would y'all believe that? Why don't we talk to him about our physical pain? You know what's neat about Jesus, our high priest? I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit just put this in my spirit. You know what's cool about Jesus, our high priest? That he's been in your skin. Have you ever, has has anybody in here ever went through chemo or radiation? Anybody in here, raise your hand up high if you've ever went through chemo. Therapy or radiation? Raise them up high, okay? Isn't it something when you've went through that? I mean, the past, I haven't. But isn't it cool when you went through that of somebody that's been through that? And you can say, did you get sick? What would you think when your hair fell out? What, what, how'd that make you feel? It connects you on a different level. I'm telling you that there is nothing that you can take to Jesus. There's nothing that you cannot, that you can take to him that he won't say. His first thing out of his mouth will be this. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I have felt that. It made me feel like this. You guys are kind of looking at me, and I'm wondering if you have discovered this yet. Seriously. When I'm preaching this, I'm looking at some of you, and it just dawned on me. They've maybe never experienced this. Did you know that you can have a relationship with Jesus where you can talk to him like that? Seriously. I'm serious. All these faces are looking at me, and it just dawned on me. They don't. It may be in the Holy Spirit saying this. They don't talk to me like that, that, that they don't have that relationship. Wow. I didn't think about that when this sermon was coming together. You can have that kind of relationship. You can talk to him about anything. Well, then you say, well, he doesn't talk about. Yes, he does. If you talk, he'll talk back. It'll just be an impression in your heart. It'll be something that is an impression in your mind. It's just. How many when you met the right girl that you dated a lot of them, but you got to one and you just knew that you knew? 
Okay, that's the way God's voice is. You just know that you know. God's voice, like, does something in the heart that normally couldn't be done. Did that, did that help at all? Okay, he understands this pain. Um, you know, I, I, I told you that we were going to come back to that scripture in Mark where it said the son of Mary. Hey, Dave, I think this is kind of cool. But do you guys know the Gospels aren't chronological? That Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're not in chronological order. John actually writes about the first two years of Jesus' ministry. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the last year of his ministry. And that's why you see synoptic, synoptic Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where they've got a lot of similarities. But then things in John, like the woman at the well, and I drew a blank now, but there's lots of stuff that it's, it's not in the evidence. Okay? In John's gospel, John always referred to him as the son of Joseph. Matthew, Mark, and Luke referred to Jesus as the son of Mary. Do you know Jesus only said seven things from the cross? And one of the things he said is, behold my mother. And it's recorded that from that day forward, Mary went to live with John. Because Jesus, even on the cross, wanted to make sure his mom was taken care of. What do you mean his mom was taken care of? What, what do you mean? I'm telling you that Jesus knows what it's like to have a father pass away before his time. Jesus knows what it's like to hold your wife and your children and to take your dad to a grave and bury him because he did it with his own father. Jesus knows what it's like to grieve and to have sorrow and have pain. And my question to you is, have you ever thought about talking to him about the grief that you carry day after day? Have you ever thought about letting him feel that deep sorrow that's in your heart? Have you ever thought about letting Jesus heal you of things that were said to you when you were in junior high? Hey, what is that lady's name on Kelly Files on, on uh, Fox News? Megan Kelly. Does anybody know who Megan Kelly is? We don't have TV. I just watch clips on Roku. But um, Megan Kelly, anybody know who she is? Uh, she was on some clip I watched the other day. I think it was with Ellen DeGeneres or something. I don't know who it was. Don't know her either. But uh, but anyway, they were talking, and Megan Kelly said that she was brutally bullied in junior high brutally bullied brutally bullied that's what she said and she said that 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 she lost every friend in junior high how many of you girls know it's like when the mean girls put their thought paws out in junior high I, i'm feeling like i'm talking to somebody okay the claws come out 
She said, as a journalist, 30 years later, she said, I still, the other day when I got into it with Trump, I had flashbacks of being bullied when, when that confrontation came out between her and Trump. You all saw that. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm telling you that a person, right or wrong, she felt bullied, and she said she felt herself go in a cocoon and isolation, and it affected her where she couldn't even be a reporter. She paralyzed. Guys, I had a deep wound in my heart like that. Where I remember one day I was putting a screw in a piece of sheetrock out here and it hit me and I just started weeping from a deep wound. Jesus knows what it's like to be bullied. I'm telling you, I am telling you, the Holy Spirit's telling me this. I am telling you that many of you are like Megan Kelly, that you're paralyzed in adult life from things that were done to you as a children. Hey, hey, guys, we we taught on the spiritual gifts the last three weeks. I'm telling you, a spiritual gift just happened just right now. Word of knowledge. God just got. I'm not just saying that to say it. God's telling me that people that are in adulthood. That you are paralyzed in adulthood in certain ways for things that happen to you as a child. Whether it was something done by a family member or something done by a neighbor or you were bullied at school, it's affecting you. I'm asking you, will you come to a warm, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, open-armed Savior and wonderful counselor, so you can be healed today. You don't have to carry that. You don't have to carry that. God's given me a message called the real versus the ideal. And sometimes when we look at families, our real doesn't match God's ideal at all. And it makes us give up on the whole thing. You may be in here having been divorced two or three times. You may be in here, there's all kinds of emotional things that, that you're carrying into your marriage. What are you doing, Pastor? I'm laying an altar call because you can come forward. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.